great, uh, great time of worship. We'll have more uh, following the message, a chance for you to respond and engage and uh, just be responsive to what God's doing in your life. Well, today we begin a new series called The Gospel of Mark. I love the Gospel of Mark. People have asked me, is this my gospel? I have no gospel. No, I have no gospel that's worth listening to, but I do love to share the gospel of Mark, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and uh, this will be a real opportunity for us to, to, to go on a journey together. And periodically, we like to do a message series on a book of the Bible and just work our way through that book instead of picking a topic or a series of some sort. Just let the message of God's Word in the order that it comes uh, you know, speak to us and that we walk through that together. And so what we're doing here with this series is we're going to walk through the Gospel of Mark, which is one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, uh, and, and we're going to just start at the beginning today and we're going to end in 50 days on Easter. And you know where the Gospel of Mark ends? Easter. (laughs) It ends on the celebration of Easter with the resurrection of Christ. And so this is a great time for us just to walk that journey together. And and what research has shown, and and this may be kind of obvious, but it's actually even borne out by research, is that the number one way that people grow spiritually, you know how? Reading the Bible. That literally going to God's Word and reading it for yourself and allowing it to speak to you has the most profound impact on somebody's spiritual growth and spiritual life. And so you can come here every week and kind of go, Mark, what did you do in your study of God's Word this week? Give it to us. And I'll be more than happy to do that. I do that every week. Uh, and it, but what's more powerful is if you yourselves go to the Word and see what it has to say. And we have this neat opportunity over these next several weeks that you can read ahead of time what we're going to be covering on Sunday morning. You read those chapters together. And then when you come here, you'll have that foundation and the questions that you have raised in your mind. Uh, maybe they'll get answered. You have an opportunity to ask them. And so this is going to be this journey that we're going to go on together through the Gospel of Mark. And so it's very important that when you're here you know, in town, come here every week so you don't miss any of the flow. And I guarantee you that when we walk alongside Jesus for these 50 days together, Something transforming is going to happen. God's going to speak to you through his word. He's going to challenge you, and I believe you're going to grow through that. So sound like that's something we can do together? All right. Well, we have these convenient little bookmarks. Did you see those in your worship folder? Yeah, those are, those are great. We, we broke down the Gospel of Mark into these little sections. And here's the thing. Sometimes it gets overwhelming to think about how do I read the entire story of Jesus or the entire Bible. If you have one hour to commit, you can read the Gospel of Mark. Do you realize that? You can read the entire life of Christ as portrayed by one author in one hour. That's like one TV show, like half a movie. And sometimes we go, I I wonder what the Bible says about Jesus. One hour. You can start with Mark, sit down, and finish it. And we've broken it down to where you read maybe maybe two minutes a day. And what we want to do through these two-minute-a-day readings, and there's five days, you know, five readings a week, so this way you don't have to get all panicky, I missed a day, I'm falling behind, then you can you know, give yourself 10 minutes and catch up for the week. Pretty simple. Uh, Mark is the shortest gospel. It only has 16 chapters. Uh, and, and that's the thing with Mark. He moves quickly, and he, he just kind of takes us on this journey. And so when you dig into that, you're going to see a lot of what Jesus does more sometimes than, even, than what Jesus says. It's a very uh, action-oriented gospel. And so we're going to read that together, and hopefully we're on the same page. When we come you know, next Sunday, you'll have read chapters 2 and 3 as, you know, and, and catch up with chapter 1 that we're going to cover today. And uh, the other thing we want to add to that equation is we have a Facebook page, a One Community Church Facebook page. And what we want to do on Monday through Friday is either Chris or I or maybe somebody else will, will put a thought about the reading for that day or maybe a question. And what we would love to see is you engage in the, in the comment sections 
your questions, your thoughts, your, your, your concepts. And so it, it stretches what we do here on Sunday throughout the week. And so it's going to add a different dynamic. Can, can some of you uh, be on board with that? Sound good? If you're not on Facebook, uh, get on that. Find us. Find, you know, our one community church, not some other one in the country. Because they won't be having the same conversation and they'll wonder what you're talking about. So we'll, we'll do that together. And, um, and so anyway, those are some of the things that are happening. One other component. This is not church for the passive, okay? If you've noticed that for One Community Church, we love interaction. We love talking, greeting time. Uh, we have worship stations, these spaces that we have where you can go and, um, and, and encounter God as you need to, you know, interacting in Facebook, that kind of stuff. One more new way we're going to add here during these weeks is a question and answer time. I get to be put on the hot seat. And, uh, and so as you're listening to the message or, uh, you know, what I'm talking about, if you have a question there's a phone number we're going to put up on the screen here, and that's uh, Chris's phone number, Chris Gwaltney, our worship leader. And he's going to be my filter, okay? So for questions, you know, that he thinks I can't answer, he won't, he won't ask. <laughs> um, no, but if you have a question, text it to him. You know, this is, you, you have permission to have your phone out. You know, if you're playing a little Angry Birds on the side, your neighbor's going to kind of nudge you. But, but get your phone out um, and text questions to Chris, and um, they'll be anonymous, and he'll either maybe group them together if they're similar questions or if one that maybe doesn't quite fit the topic this morning, maybe he'll, you know, we'll, we'll have a chance to interact with it not in, you know, here in the setting. And maybe I'll field one or two of them afterward, and if I don't know the answer, I'll just tell you I don't know the answer, and I'll just give you my best shot. So you guys think that could be kind of interesting? Try to stick to topic, okay? We'll have another time where you can ask whatever you want, but let's, let's stick to topic, and we'll try to do that. All right, so that's kind of the foundation. Now, we wanna, we've got a lot of ground to cover because we're going to go Mark chapter 1. And while it's just one chapter... Um, I was meeting with Tim here, my friend uh, Tim Gunther, whom you, many of you know. Uh, we meet on Fridays, and he said, you're going to be teaching Mark chapter 1 this week? I said, yeah. He goes, there is so much in there. How are you going to cover all the content of chapter 1 in 62 minutes? <laughs> Good. It took a little while, but eventually you got there. Okay. I won't take 62 minutes. I'll try to do it in 30 minutes or less. But um, there's a lot to do, so I want to I jump right into it. Now, the Gospel of Mark, turn, turn there if you would, and, and uh, that's why we have the Bibles out, and hopefully, I know it's a little dim sometimes, but hopefully you got a little extra light that you can see, or, or check out your, um, on your phone, the version Bible app is excellent, and uh, you can follow along with that as well. Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 1, it's on page 760. Who is Mark? I mean, we got, if we're going to study the Gospel of Mark, we got to figure out who, who is Mark. He was one of Jesus' disciples, right? No. See, I didn't, I didn't want you to be embarrassed and answer wrong, so I answered very quickly for you. He actually wasn't one of the disciples. Like Luke wasn't one of the disciples. Two of the guys that, that, that wrote weren't disciples. But Mark was a, was a companion of Peter. You know, Peter, who, who was one of the disciples and wrote some of the New Testament. Even, some say that Mark even helped Peter write. Uh, he was a travel companion to Paul and Barnabas at different times on a missionary journey. Some say he was an attendant, uh, attendant to Paul while he was in prison. And, and so he was very involved. The early church even met in his family's home in Acts that we read. So he was very close to, to what was happening uh, post-Jesus. When, when the gospel was spreading, he was a part of that. And he was very close to people who first uh, walked with, with Jesus and who shared these stories. And so uh, Mark writes probably about 55 to 65 years after, after Christ. And, uh, and so this is one of the earliest accounts we have of Jesus' life. And, and what's interesting, too, is we've got the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All four tell the story of Jesus in different ways from different perspectives. 
Mark is almost completely contained in the other three Gospels, all but 31 verses. So if you read all of Mark, all of those con- all that content will also be found in Matthew and, and in Luke and in John, except for those 31 verses. And so it's a great place for us to start. And again, one of the key things about Mark that I like, he wants to tell us about who Jesus is and what he did, but he's a lot more focused on action. You're going to see a lot less like these, like, Jesus' messages or sermons, you're not going to see large chunks of Jesus' teachings. You're going to see Jesus more respond to situations and how he responds to, to and teaches in the moment. And so I think it's a great way for us to connect. Also, what's neat about Mark's gospel is he writes to the Gentiles. The Gentiles were the non-believers, the non-Jews. And so when he writes to, to this context out of Rome, remember the empire, these are not believers. These aren't Jews that grew up with the expectation of the Messiah and all the customs and rituals. A lot like us. A lot like us. And so this gospel can really be something where, where we connect. And so he explains certain things that, that maybe, you know, somebody who wasn't part of the tradition um, wouldn't know. He, he takes some time to explain some of those things. Uh, he doesn't spend a lot of time with Old Testament prophecy and, and, and referencing the old scriptures. And, and so we get, again, a very fast-paced, um, solid, clean look at the life of Jesus. So a lot more can be said about the background, but let's say we get into this, all right? Sound good? All right. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. Any questions yet, Chris? Where's Chris? I don't even know where he is. He's back there. He's, he's editing out. All right. I'm, I'm serious. You guys ask some. Come, come up with some. Actually, um, actually we, we did have one question. Uh-oh. Uh, where did Mark get his stylish sweater? <laughs> All right. This is going to be humor. I already, I already told him he got it at the Baby Gap. So. The Baby Gap? All right. All right. Thanks. Wow. Didn't realize we'd have comedic relief uh, through, the, through the message. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. Mark doesn't waste any time telling us why he's writing. So he begins. Here begins the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. You want to know what this is about? (laughs) The good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. He sets up right in the beginning, like any good introduction does, what's going to come in the pages that follow. And what we're going to hear is the good news. What is the good news? It's another word. What we use in the Christian language a lot is the term gospel. And the gospel simply means, the gospel of Mark is the good news according to Mark. And what, what Mark's going to do, he's going to tell us what this good news is about Jesus Christ. And, and that term gets, can be very broad, too, about all the things around Christ and what he has done. And so he sets up here saying, we're going to teach, and I'm going to tell you all about this good news. And, and the thing with good news, it wasn't just a term that, that the church sort of invented. This was a term that was used, euangelion in the Greek, that had to do with just announcing victory or announcing joy or it would be something that they would do in the kingdom. You know, the king or, the, or Caesar would say, we have some good news. So it was like this declaration. And what I love is that the church hijacked this term and said, if you want to really know the good news, the best news, the life-changing news, it's the gospel. It's the, it's the story of Jesus and what he did and why he came and what it means for us. And so that's what, when, when we talk about sharing the gospel or sharing the good news, it's that this is the life-transforming message of victory and joy and life. And so this is what Mark sets out to do. And right off the bat, he says, about Jesus, centered on this person of Jesus, the Messiah, which meant the anointed one, this one that had been promised for a long time, the Savior, and he is the Son of God. Now, even this morning in chapter 1, He's going to lay the foundations for some of these, these claims immediately. We're going to talk about the gospel. He's going to talk about the Messiah. And he's going to talk about the, Jesus being the Son of God. 
And the reason that this is important is because this is the whole foundation of why do we even care? Why should we even read this book? Why does this even matter? Why does this good news have any basis? And these are the reasons why. So that's, that's, where, that's where we begin. And so now as we go into chapter 1, I believe he answers two main questions. Who is Jesus and why did he come? Who is Jesus? Why did he come? And so, and so now he's going to build the foundations for this book that's to come, the story that's to come, and he's laying them into place. And so he begins with one of the key foundations. And again, we're not going to be able to dive down deep into every single one of these pieces, but what we're looking for here is the general flow and the big pieces that Mark is, is, is building on. So let's start here in, in, in verse 2. And interestingly enough, I said he doesn't reference the Old Testament a lot, but he does right off the, the bat here, and I'll tell you why in a second. In the book of the prophet Isaiah, which is in the Old Testament, God said, look, I'm sending my messenger before you and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare a pathway for the Lord's coming. Make a straight road for him. Now what Mark is doing here is he's saying, look, this is a continuation of something that's been promised a long time ago. Did you notice that the gospel of Mark, what's it missing that some of the others have, that, that Matthew and Luke have, anyone know? Yeah, the genealogy, the birth of Christ. Like, where, where did he come from? I mean, where's Mary and Joseph? I thought this was the story of Jesus. I mean, no Mary, no Joseph, no, no manger. Maybe skipping Christmas. And what, he, but what he's focusing on is, I want to help you understand the continuity right now that he deems is necessary for what he wants to share. And he's saying, look, in the Old Testament, the Messiah was promised, but there's somebody who's going to be shouting and proclaiming, the Lord is coming. So he's just kind of beginning to set this up for us, foreshadowing here. Here's what I'm setting up. And then enter John the Baptist. The messenger was John the Baptist. He lived in the wilderness, was preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had turned from their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. And so this this pattern is already beginning to, to be formed about this turning from sin, turning to God. But what John the Baptist says is he said, look, there is a day coming. Again, now we just heard the Old Testament prophecy. Now, John the Baptist himself is saying there is a day coming when there is one who will be here whose, whose sandals I'm not even fit to untie. He's greater. And he will baptize not only with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so John the Baptist is setting this up. He's preparing this in anticipation for us as a reader to say, all right, who is this? Who is this promised Messiah that was in the Old Testament? Who is this one that's going to come and not just baptize with water, but with the power of the Holy Spirit? Who is it? And then enter the baptism of Jesus. And here's where Jesus enters the scene. Again, if you think about a great story, this is what's happening. We're getting introduced to the concept, and here comes Jesus. He walks up, and he's, he's being baptized. And then it says in verse 10, And when Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens split open and the Holy Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son, and I am fully pleased with you. He doesn't get into the other details about the baptism and, and what was happening around that. But very simply here, I think what he's trying to do and what Mark does, he establishes who Jesus is. And in this verse, you know, in, in the church we talk about the Trinity. That word Trinity is never anywhere in Scripture, by the way. You don't read about the Trinity. But what the Trinity is, it's the concept of the unity of God as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. All God with different facets of, of who they are and who God is. And so here we see in this verse those three coming together right off the bat, right? We see Jesus, 
the Son. And what happens as, as he's being baptized, the heavens open up and a dove descends as in it's resting on him as the Holy Spirit. So the God, the Son, Jesus Christ, God, the Holy Spirit. And then a voice from heaven declares, this is my Son. The Father declaring, this is my Son, whom I love and I'm fully pleased in him. And so you see these three coming together and and it's almost like Mark saying, look, I, I could give you other kinds of proof, what other people say who Jesus is. I could maybe make some kind of argument, but let's just cut to the chase. God said it. God, the voice from heaven himself said, this is my son. Do you need any other proof? Do you need further evidence? Now, there are people around, people that you know, have, have witnessed this, that were part of that baptism that day. And so here, Mark is establishing right off the bat, this is not just some ordinary person. He is fully man. But this is the Son of God. And in him is also the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he builds this, this key foundation uh, about this gospel we're going to hear because if, this, if Jesus isn't any more than, than a mere mortal, we're wasting our time. If there isn't more to Jesus, and if he doesn't have the power and the authority and, and this designation of Son of God, it doesn't matter what else follows. So he, this is a very important foundation for us to understand. Then there seems this odd transition. So there's like this blessing on Jesus as the Son of God. The Holy Spirit is on him. He is the one that's promised. And then what's the next section here, in, beginning in verse 12? Immediately, the Holy Spirit compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness. He was there for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was out among the wild animals, and angels took care of him. Now, in some of the other Gospels, we can read about the details of that encounter. But, but Mark doesn't feel the need to, to get into details here. He's laying the foundation. And what's interesting, as soon as he's acknowledged as the Son of God, he's led out in the wilderness into temptation. And what I believe is happening here is Mark's saying, look, there's life that's happening. There's a physical life. There's the things that are going on around us. But when Jesus enters the picture, there's a cosmic struggle going on here. There's an epic battle happening in the spiritual realms. I mean, when you read a good story, right, nobody likes to read the stories that don't have a villain, don't have the antagonist, right? Here, Mark, right off the bat, in the first couple chapters here, says, you know, Jesus was baptized, Son of God, and you go, oh, it's great, it's the good news of Christ, the promised Messiah, and then enter Satan, okay? I mean, this is, and and right off the bat, you're seeing this incredible contrast. And, and, And it reminds us, look, what's going on here happens not just in the, in the flesh and blood, but it's happening in a spiritual realm. And there's a battle going on that what we're about to read and what this gospel is about is about something that has to do with the foundations of good and evil, of God the Eternal and Satan. And, and Jesus Christ is coming to combat that very force, and there's going to be a resistance to that. Jesus isn't just, you know, and, and isn't just going to walk this earth unopposed. Our faith isn't just going to be unopposed. There is a force in Satan that is trying to discredit, trying to disarm, trying to, to get us uh, defeated. And so Mark immediately sets this up as, look, there's something big going on here. And Jesus has come to do battle, not only here on earth, but, but for all eternity in the heavenly realms. Then I found it interesting, too, again, I'm spending time this week going, boy, Mark's just going from one thing to the next. And then the, you read the next section, it says the first disciples. <laughs> so we've just talked about who Jesus is. The Son of God, the, heaven, the dove descended on him with the Holy Spirit. He's gone to, to, to conquer Satan, and there's going to be this, this battle. But now, not only just you know, who Jesus is, but why did he come? And, and here we get now are introduced to the first words that Jesus speaks in, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, Mark. So it says, uh, Jesus went to Galilee to preach 
God's good news. So what did he preach? Quote, At last, the time has come. He announced. And he's saying, look, guys, the time has come. When Jesus announces, the time has come. There's something that happened here. The time has come. What time has come? The kingdom of God is near. Turn from your sins and believe this good news. And that's all he says here. So who knows if he said more or less, but this was the essence of what Mark thought was needed to be conveyed. That Jesus himself, he sets up why he's here. Jesus himself declares and announces why is he here? Because the time has come. In God's scheme of history, in his scope of the universe, Jesus' presence on earth and beginning this ministry marks a point of transition. The time has come. The kingdom of heaven is near. Some translations say the kingdom of heaven is at hand, meaning Christ is going to fulfill what the scriptures have promised, why he is coming. He is going to establish the kingdom, and those who are listening now, you're going to be a part of it, and you have an opportunity to enter into that kingdom of heaven. How? (laughs) Repent of your sins and believe the good news. And now Mark's going to begin to explain to us what is the fullness of this good news. What does this all mean to us? But, but Jesus very clearly declaring this is his purpose. This is why he came to announce it's time the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he announces this and he, kind of, he goes public after this, this battle with Satan and, 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 and establishing this foundation. Now he goes public. Here is my, here's the reason I came. And then what I find interesting is he didn't just go about doing being this, the teacher and, and just you know, following, going everywhere by himself and people following him, he immediately calls the disciples. Again, he's laying the foundation here, Mark, is I think to what this is all about. And what he's saying in, 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 this, in this account of calling of the disciples, he goes to fishermen. And they're fishing, they're mending their nets, they're doing the things. And he says, come and follow me. Come and be my disciple, and I will show you what? How to fish for people. And he says it again, and he calls some more, and he says, come and follow me. And and one of Mark's favorite words, he says, and immediately, (laughs) Mark's very fast, immediately they drop their nets and they follow Jesus. And what what I believe uh, Mark is establishing, especially with the the importance of what Jesus was doing, he was saying, look, this is going to be something that is going to go viral. This is something that's going to spread. This isn't just going to be me, and as soon as I'm gone, it's gone. But it's going to be implanted in the hearts of people. And I want to use people like you to begin to share this good news. And so come and be my disciple, be my follower, which in those days meant go on this journey with me wherever I go, you go. If I eat, you eat. If I sleep, you sleep. If I teach, you listen, you ask questions. You try to do and learn as much as you can, everything from me so that you can be like me when I go. I want to, he's pouring himself into others. And what I love here, what he says is, I will show you, he says, how to fish for people in verse 17. Jesus is about demonstrating. He's about setting an example and modeling what he wants. And again, this is setting up a theme throughout Mark where where Jesus begins to model what it means to reach people, to serve people. The servant theme comes through all the time. The suffering servant is a theme we'll talk about in a couple weeks. And Jesus is saying here, you want to follow me? Come be my disciple and I will show you What's important? It's how to reach people. So he's beginning to lay the foundation. This is going to be spread through other people. So again, who is Jesus? Why did he come? And now we get, uh, and now we get an interesting couple stories here that have to do with uh, casting out demons, healing people, preaching, healing somebody. That's the rest of the chapter now deals with some things. And, 
And, and, and I like the way this gets, this gets set up. So we'll, we'll just read that, that passage. We'll look at uh, verse 21. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. And every Sabbath day he went into the synagogue and taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching. For he taught as one who had real authority. Quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Slam. <laughs> I love that. Mark just gets a little slam in there, right? But, but here, what he's, what he's beginning to say is, look, if this is who Jesus is, this is why he came, and now he's going to give us an example. He's out teaching in the synagogue. And unlike that, Pastor Mark, <laughs> Jesus had real authority, okay? I mean, when he spoke, there was something different about that. He, he embodied something. And, and you know what it's like when you talk to somebody with real authority in their field. They have some knowledge. They have some experience. They, they, they can back that up. And, but there was something about Jesus that when he spoke, they sensed something was different. But what is that? And, 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 and now we're going to see how that plays out. Verse 23, a man possessed by an evil spirit was in the synagogue. And he began shouting, why are you bothering us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One sent from God. Isn't it interesting that the first person, the first thing that acknowledges Jesus as the Holy One sent from God in the Gospel of Mark is a demon, is a spirit? And, and, and I think, again, it reminds us of that there's a, there's a battle going on here and that even the demons have recognized who the greater spirit is, who the greater power is. And so immediately Jesus cut him short. Be silent. As if he's saying, I don't need a demon to announce who I am and to proclaim who I am. Be silent and come out of him. And that's what happened. So he, uh, yeah, be silent, come out of the man. Verse 26, at that the evil spirit screamed and threw the man into a convulsion, but then he left him. But here's the interesting part, verse 27. Gripped, amazement gripped the audience, and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this, they asked excitedly. It has such authority. Even evil, evil spirits obey his orders. The news of what he had done spread quickly throughout the entire area of Galilee. You know, when I think about this gospel and I think about this introduction and understanding of who Jesus is and why he came, these stories begin to show us, and I think the healings and the miracles and these, the release of demon possession are showing us that this is the power of Jesus demonstrated. It's not just talk. It's not just rhetoric. It's not just some kind of old set of rules and regulations of religion that we have to follow, some stories that we just have to be able to recite and, and know. Mark is all about demonstrating Jesus and his power and who he is. And now after a story like this, the people were saying, not only did he teach with authority, we saw what his authority is capable of. And then we go through and we see, you know, there's a healing that happens. And then even in verse 34, so Jesus healed great numbers of sick people who had many different kinds of diseases. And he ordered many demons to come out of their victims. Because they knew who he was, he refused to allow the demons to speak. And so we begin to, to, to see this pattern in Jesus' ministry and, and in this early part of, of the Gospel of Mark that Jesus has this authority and he came to share the good news. He did the preaching, he did the healing, he demonstrated his power and, and he began to call his disciples around him and people were beginning to take notice and they were beginning to ask questions. They were beginning to wonder what this is all about. So much so, the crowds began to push in on him that in verse uh, 35, it says, The next morning... Jesus awoke long before daybreak and went out alone into the wilderness to pray. I mean, instantly here, he's drawing this crowd, these followings, and I don't even know that that was his, 
his greatest desire. But that's what was happening when they were seeing these things. And he went alone to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. They said, everyone is asking for you. But he replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. And then here again, a very important Jesus when, uh, statement when Jesus says this, because that is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and expelling demons from many people. The foundation is set here. Why did Jesus come? Who is Jesus? He was somebody who came to announce good news. And the good news is that God has sent his son to bring salvation, to show us a way back to the Father, to restore people, to bring healing, to bring hope, and to reconcile this relationship that sin sin had severed. And this begins what now starts this journey uh, through the book of Mark. Before we kind of wrap this up, do we have any questions? Uh, Chris, do you have any questions about any of this stuff? We do. Oh, boy. We were thinking this first week nobody's going to ask any questions. So, <laughs> I have a question here. Um, do evil spirits possess people today? JJ, would you like to answer that question? This one? No. Um, that's, a great, that's a great question. And, and actually, I did, a little bit of, I did a little bit of research into that, and I don't know the specific answer to that. I, I'm not sure yet where I stand on that question. Um, because there are some schools of thought that say demon possession was during this time that this was the age of miracles that happened to do during the apostolic age when the apostles were still living, and they were very important to demonstrate Christ's power. As I described here, that he has power over demons. And some would say that time is no longer, and what we have is mental illness and and those kinds of things. But on the other hand, I have um, encounters not with demon possession myself with people, but have talked with pastors, with leaders, especially that seem to come from, from sometimes some uh, third world countries or places where there may be voodoo or there may be types of um, demonic spirits that would tell you story after story of casting out demons. And I don't know which, which is which. I do believe there is a spiritual realm. Obviously, we believe in the Holy Spirit and God is spirit and that he inhabits us. And, and I also know that Satan is active in this world. Now, whether he you know, em- embodies people and, and, and captures a hold of them I think we could have, you know, points on on both sides. So what I come back to is say, but what's important here? And what's important as to why the story and why I think we have these examples, and this is simply this, Jesus has power over (laughs) demons. He has power to overcome. He has power over Satan. He has conquered Satan. And so the focus that we need to focus on is the power of the Holy Spirit because what, what the Bible says is greater is he who is in you, in me, than he that's in the world. And so I think our attention and our response and responsibility is to focus in on uh, the Holy Spirit filling us because the Holy Spirit and demonic spirit cannot coexist in the same space. God drives those out. So, I don't know, here's my best shot. Anything else? That was it. That was it. All right, good. I don't know. Not that I answered that one well. I don't know. So, so um, but, but be thinking about those questions. Write them down and feel free to email me or, or have those discussions in, in your small group settings. Uh, ask questions. Engage, engage the scripture. So when, when I think about this first, um, this first chapter, and, and it's interesting because I step back and I go, well, what's the application? You know, we like to apply this. What's the take-home value tomorrow morning? Great, we know who Jesus is and, and is this just about head knowledge? When I think about this, and I think about this series, I think it comes back to that part where he's calling the disciples. 
And when he calls the disciples, what he's saying is, he's saying, come follow me. And what I want us to think about in this series of Mark is, are we going on a journey with Jesus? And where are you at in that relationship with Jesus? Because I believe there are some of us here today who are still exploring what faith in Christ means. And I think Mark gives us a great introduction as to, here, this is who Jesus is and why he came. And the response even that Jesus said is, turn from your sins and believe. Believe this good news because it has the power to change your life. And so maybe the response for some of us this morning is, this is the day. I mean, this is the time. I, I need to surrender and, and, and believe this good news in Christ. And now I want to be a disciple, and I'm just going to follow Jesus. And, and, and for those of us that have been believers a long time, this isn't like elementary going over the basics again, because it's the gospel. And every time, we need to keep going back to the gospel, and we need to keep hearing the stories and keep being reminded about who Jesus is, why did he come, what is he capable of, how can he transform our lives, what is he capable of doing in this world. We also have the example here of uh, the baptism. And we've got a baptism coming up here in a couple of weeks. And maybe some of you have, have accepted this message of Christ and have received him as your personal Savior, saying, God, I believe who you are. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross and died for my sins. And it's time to go public. It's time to announce the world to show everyone what God has done inside, that you would be, be baptized, symbolically showing the, the, the cleansing of your sins, being raised to new life, and saying, God, I, I'm all in. I'm here for you. This is what I believe. This is where I stand. Concrete steps that you can take. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, we're in this series together of Mark. And I just want to encourage you, maybe your decision today is saying, I'll commit five minutes a day. You know, about two minutes to the reading and two, three minutes at least to reflect on it, maybe to think about it, to process it. And, uh, and I'm going to do that for these 50 days leading up to Easter. I want to see if I walk with Jesus in his word daily and uh, studying what, what it says, that it has a power to, to impact me. So wherever you are in these things, um, take hold of that and understand that we're going to be looking at this amazing person, this amazing God, Jesus Christ, that um, has the power to transform and will walk us all the way through to Easter. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I know it's a lot of stuff to, to think about, a lot that we have heard here just in these first few verses. But it reminds us just of how rich your word is. God, I thank you for this Gospel of Mark and that the time that uh, was spent to accurately help us understand who you are and why you came and that these words have the power to bring life to us because they point to you. And so, Father, I don't know where, where we're at today this morning. I know in a place like this, we're all over as far as our spiritual journey. And I pray that we would take the next step as your disciple, whether that means beginning that relationship or taking a step closer just to say, I'm going to be here for the next several weeks just to listen in and observe and, and, and get closer to Jesus. Or whether that means saying, I want to be a disciple and, and I will follow you, Jesus. God, speak to us and help us understand more about who you are and what it means to follow you and to be a part of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.